We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. On today's podcast, Elliot, James and Paul will be with you shortly to discuss the impressive and entertaining 4-1 victory at home to West Brom. Yeah, we needed some goals, didn't we? We haven't scored at home for a little while. Uh, Swansea, Sunderland and Chelsea was a bit of a concern before the kickoff, but then uh, changed things up a little bit. Sent Theo as a striker and uh, rest the jury to the bench. And hey presto, we got some goals and Theo... It's pretty impressive, you got to say. I'll even go as far to say it's his best performance, best 45 minutes as a centre-forward since he joined the club. Fair to say. Gets Tottenham in last season in the Cup. He played really well, didn't score. Played well, though. And um, Newcastle at home, that was the one. He got a hat-trick. But overall performance on Sunday was excellent. Very interesting to see what Wenger does in the Cup final now. Um, does he play uh, a striker who's out of form... But links the team together and there's a lot of chemistry with, with the team, with, with Giro um, being the focal point and everything. Or does he go for the informed striker, the informed player who's, who's scoring goals and looks sharp? I think it's a risk either way, really. Interesting to see what he does. Theo's movement was excellent. His first goal, smashed in. Great goal. Um, his second goal, his feet in the box to get past the defender on the floor was really good. Toe poked it in. Proper striker's goal, you know what I mean? And um, his third goal, in the right place to tap it in. First half hat-trick. Doesn't happen very much, but just goes to show. Theo's movement and finishing is, ov- is obviously really good. It's always been really good. rest of his game, that's that's the question. And um, it didn't look too bad on Sunday afternoon. But Jack Walsh's goal, eh? What about that? Exactly. It was a great strike. 
And then he looks he looks in great form as well. And how can you drop Wilshire? You can't drop a lot of players, but you have to. Well, Wenger has to. Anyway, without further ado, I'm gonna hand over to the guys. But before I do go, I want to say thank you to everyone for downloading the podcast. Um, not just now, but through through half the season because we started like um, Man United, I think was the first game at home. Hmm. But um, yeah, it started off quite slowly. It's been growing as the weeks go by. Thanks to everyone who's downloaded the podcast, listened and given us feedback. It's all been positive feedback as well, which is good. And uh, we shall continue to do this next season. Obviously the cup final as well. So don't forget to tune in for that one. I'm sure there'll be some summer transfer podcasts as well, which everyone likes getting their teeth into. Um, So yeah, Thank you, everyone, and um, enjoy the guys. We will be back after the cup final. So, see you there. It's a hat trick for Theo Walcott in his testimonial as Arsenal ends season on a high at the Emirates with a 4-1 victory over West Bromwich Albion. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and I strongly recommend you block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Um, We're going to get started here in a moment, but before we do... Little PSA or public service announcement, as they say in the biz. Um, we are a plucky little pod, and we would like to uh, grow. We aspire to great things, to be among the greats, like the Arsecast or the Arsecast Extra. Um, and to do such a thing, we need reviews. We need your feedback. And so, if you wouldn't mind, if you are an iTunes user, for example, you could go to the iTunes Podcast Store, search for Arsenal Vision, tap on reviews, and give us a rating, a review. We'd love a five-star, but we certainly uh, would appreciate your honest feedback. For example, this one uh, from a guy whose nickname is My Nicknames Are All Taken. He was kind enough to leave us a three-star review on May 1st. We appreciate all the feedback. And he says, Paul is great, but I want to punch Elliot in the fleshy patch where his nuts used to be. You won't find a more moaning, condescending guy out there. Now... I agree with the last part, but I do want to point out that I quite clearly still have nuts in that fleshy patch because I have my first baby on the way. So Mm. while the fleshy patch may be small, it is uh, potent. So please do go and give us a review, whether you want to punch me in the fleshy patch or not. Maybe this podcast will incur your wrath as we should have a spirited debate, including uh, my the the rebirth of my um apathy or sort of ambivalence towards Olivier Giroud. We'll get to all that and more, but it's time to introduce my guests. Um, it's uh, been too long of an introduction already, so mark it down as our usual hour 20, hour 30 podcast. Should be a blast. Anyway, <clears throat> the first of them is James. You can find him on Twitter at GoonerFanatic49, uh, but we call him James on the podcast. He is here. He is delighted to be here, and we are delighted to have him. Hello, James. Good evening, lads. Good evening. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Uh, Paul is found on Twitter at Poznan in my pants. If you ask him for dirty pictures, he's happy to send them to you. Paul, welcome to the pod. I am? Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on board. It's a pleasure. The pleasure is entirely mine. Mm. Okay, got a little sip of my fizzy beverage, and we're ready to get going. Today was all about Theo and Jack. I think it's safe to say the manager changed things up a little bit. He gave a start to Jack Wilshire on that sort of right wing drifting inside midfield kind of sort of position where Ramsey had been playing. He let Theo Walcott play through his at least supposedly preferred central position um, as the striker with Olivier Giroud rested. 
and the results were nothing short of spectacular. A hat trick for Theo Walcott in the first half could have been more uh, if it was not for if it were not for some wonderful saves from Bose Myhill. Theo and others could have made this a very lopsided scoreline. As it is, they were probably lucky West Brom were for it not to end uh, worse than four one. And it was really just an enjoyable game to watch all around. So, uh, Paul, we'll start with you. The day was about Theo and Jack. What did you make of their performance? Uh, well, Theo took up where he left off at Sunderland, but with goals. I mean, he looked electric for that 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes maybe even against Sunderland. And we wondered, was that a little bit of Sunderland's tired legs? Um, and, you know, almost everything he did against Sunderland, uh, if he got a look at goal, he got a good shot up. Uh, cracked off and uh, this day he got it was pretty much the same except his his radar was even better I mean that first goal what a cracker um, I don't know what you know the parallels with Bale always go in my mind given their history and given the rivalry even over those last final couple of years and it was a very kind of you know Bale Ronaldo kind of finish. You, you normally think of Theo kind of doing, keeping it a little lower to the ground, and kind of a more simple finish. But this one, I mean, he just let fly. It was quite spectacular. The other beauty of it being it being in the first few minutes, and I'm just looking it up here as uh, four minutes into the game, and that changed everything. Can you imagine the different impact? I mean, we've been actually pretty good the last few games without actually scoring any goals or struggling to get going the united game maybe is a little bit more complex animal to break down but what a difference getting a goal early on made uh it just cracked this whole thing wide open and if if albion had come to play i think this really put a a a pin in the balloon for them i think they lost half a yard all over the field uh after the first and second goal so I, th- I thought he was sensational. I thought Jack was absolutely great. Uh, you know, I'm, as anybody who follows me know, I'm a bit of a fanboy for Theo, Jack, and Ramsey, probably in that order. So I have to say, we all had a cracking day. I had an absolutely cracking day watching this. It was that's how you want to end the season. You can you can say it is or isn't meaningful, but when we win like that, I like to decide it's very very meaningful. So. Uh, I enjoy the crap out of this. I think we all did. Yeah, I did, and I don't think West Brom played poorly. I mean, I, I don't mm. think they were spectacular, but this wasn't really a case of a team being terrible. This was a case of a team not being able to live with the way we were playing. James, we'll we'll get to Jack in a minute. Let's focus on Theo. What do you see in our game that's different with him up front um, and by the way, I don't I don't mean to suggest that this is how he plays every single game. Clearly, that's not the case. He really hasn't had a lot of chances to show how he can play, honestly, since he's come back from injury. But when you watch him instead of Giroud, what what are you, what are your observations of how it changes our style of play, other than obviously just his pace? Um, well, there's a couple of things. I mean, from the back, we talked a lot about how Espina quite regularly likes to kick the ball long. Um, using Giroud as a target man, but uh, with Theo down the sense of the main um, medium through which we played the ball out um, from the f- sort of few goal kicks we had was actually um, along the ground, maintaining possession from the back and slowly building up the play from there rather than looking towards the Giroud as the focal point um, at around the halfway mark. Um, but moving up along the field, I think you have, obviously with that pace, you you have a little more 
um, uncertainty and a, a lot more sort of movement with regards to um, the types of balls you you make towards those uh, players within uh, those sort of those front three players, especially with you know your your Wilshire, who you know unlike Ramsey is obviously left footed, so he likes to come inside even more. Um, and you have a lot of interchange between those two players, and that's not to say that Giroud. I mean, we've noticed him come out um, wide to certain parts of the penalty area, but he's not as willing to you know come out wide and, and play play as that kind of wide forward that obviously Walcott you know f- f- sort of flourishes in from an attacking point of view. I mean, he's he's very comfortable playing as a right wing forward. That's what we tend to associate with him. Um, so there's a lot more um, propensity for especially a player like Jack playing on the right to interchange with, with Theo. And so I think it's a lot more difficult to have sort of a, a specific centre-back that's able to man-mark a player like Theo than it would be um, against a Giroud because from a defender's point of view, have, you have a little more cognizance of the types of movements and the types of um, plays into a Giroud player um, than perhaps a Theo. And that's not to discredit uh, Giroud's qualities at all because, as you know, I, I do rate him very much as a centre-forward. Um, but in a game like this, you know, sometimes I think you an argument that can be made for Theo, aside from his um, inability at times to, to track back, which is obviously isn't as key as a centre forward, but maybe against packed defences when you're not able to really get in behind as much, um, sometimes you feel like he he's a little more difficult to sort of get get into a game. But when his movement is on point as it was today, um, and when when the when we're playing as technically astute um, as we did on a day like today and being able to create those spaces and create those little inter- interchanges that it's not as um, as pertinent an issue. And we saw the, <laughs> you just, from the hat-trick itself and um, from the first goal, for example, he was able to uh, take it on the right of the penalty area and create that space for himself. He He's able to, with that, that speed and that movement, perhaps fashion out chances that uh, a player like Olivier um, on another day perhaps wouldn't have been able to. And also, you have, you know, then again, you also diminish the amount of opportunities you create out from wide and, and swinging the ball in. Not that that's perhaps necessarily a forte of ours anyway. Mm-hmm. I Here's what I see with, with Theo. So when Olivier Giroud is standing in the center and, and he either comes deep to receive the ball or, or let's say he's standing just sort of outside the 18-yard box and... You have center backs playing behind him. Everything's in front of them. He doesn't run in behind. He's never going to turn and make that run in behind. He's going to look to receive the ball with back to goal and distribute, whether that's a one-two, a layoff, a flick, a, you know, hold it up and swing it out to the wing, whatever it is. That keeps the play in front of the center backs. I'm not saying that can't ever work, and we've seen where it works when a deeper midfielder makes the run beyond him. But what Theo does is when he's in that same position, and let's say you have Ozil bringing the ball in from the right channel or Ramsey or Jack bringing it in from the right channel. Instead of having that static player at the center of the box, Theo will turn and make that run into the box. Usually a diagonal run to stand side. He's very intelligent with his runs. And now a center back has to make a decision. Do I go with Theo? And if they do, they leave that space at the top of the box that an Alexis can run into, that a Ramsey can run into, that a, a Cazorla can run into, and the player on the channel can feed it in there, and suddenly the back four is not aligned, right? And there's space at the top of the box. Or they let Theo go, and with players like Cazorla and Wilshire and Ozil, who are, are great through ball players, 
they can play the through ball into Theo and get him into a position to score a goal like the one he scored to open the scoring or in a position to cut the ball back once the, the center backs are, are scampering to uh, cover that run. So I, it's not that Giroud doesn't pose challenges for defenses, but I think because he keeps the game in front of the center backs and doesn't make that space available at the top of the box, things have to move more laterally, at least against compact defenses. And I, I think that we've always presumed that Theo is not useful when defenses sit deep, that he's only good on the counterattack. But I think we saw very clearly today that his ability to pull defenders and create space in the center of the pitch for our secondary runners is really an important feature. And, and it's something that I think we, we saw a stark contrast today with games like Swansea and, uh, and Sunderland. So, uh, Paul, what do you think? I mean, is that, is that sort of what you see in terms of Theo's contribution as opposed to the usual he's fast on the counterattack? I, I think that's a great point and really what I wanted to chime in on. We, we have this very one-dimensional or two-dimensional view of Theo as being one or two-dimensional. And I don't think people have noticed how good he is in tight spots, in linking up. I mean, don't get me wrong, he'll he'll knock a ball to nobody in the middle of nowhere for no good reason, and he'll drop some other clangor. But when he's not doing that, some of his link-up play, what I saw today, not one of those goals was related to him running in behind. Now, admittedly, he was playing from the center, which would have cramped that to some degree anyway. But that's not how he got his three goals. He got his goals by being the quickest in tight areas, by often having all of the defenders in front of him. The last goal was a poacher's goal, but the other two, uh, you know, if that guy played dance dance revolution or whatever that thing's called, Mm -hmm. he'd he'd be the quickest, not because he's running in behind, not because he's running 100 yards, but because his dance and little feet in a tighter area can produce chaos and can produce goals. Now, sometimes he trips over his feet. I mean, if I remember, wasn't it the first goal or the second goal where he actually fell over? Yeah, you know, uh, not he, the first goal. I believe it was the second. Yeah, the second goal. So, <laughs> you know, this is like the third or fourth time he's done that little trick. You know, if I were a goalkeeper and I saw Theo falling on the ground, I'd just shit myself at that point because you know what's going to happen. You know he's going to score. I, I actually like your analogy with Bale only in the sense that I think they're both players who – don't necessarily get involved in the game on the ball that much. And so their statistics don't always bear out their contribution. Uh, Who scored gave Theo a 9.96 rating today, 68 minutes. He had a hat trick, but he had 15 passes in the whole 68 minutes and just 33 touches. Um, But he managed eight shots and six on target. He is a player who contributes without the ball. And I still think that we have room for that, given how many players we have who need to be on the ball to contribute and and don't necessarily work as well off the ball as Theo does. Um, James, as as far as Jack and and what he brings to the squad, is this a case of Ramsey's just the slightly more polished, better version of what Jack adds, so it's hard for Jack to get in? Or did you see Jack offering slightly different qualities that that maybe we don't get from Rams from Ramsey? Um, there's definitely a little bit of both, but I don't, I mean, basic, that question basically asks, is Ramsey ahead of Jack in the pecking order for the starting 11, which I would say yes to. Right, but no, but um, so let me be clear. But, I, I guess what I'm saying, I know Ramsey's ahead of Jack in the pecking order, but what I'm saying is, 
watching Jack today, do you do you see him just being a slightly less polished version of, of Aaron in the way he plays, or do you see a different dynamic, different skill set, different features that he brings to the squad that we don't get with Ramsey? No, I, I think I think they're pretty different players, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I agree. I'm just curious what, what you see sure. that he brings to the starting 11. Um, I mean, what we saw from Jack today was, and I think we noticed it um, immediately when he came back in that little caveat performance against Hull, is... He really had that. The injury certainly hasn't had any effect on that on the burst of pace of his um, when he first picks up the ball and his, his ability to carry the um, ball either from deep positions or picking it up in the final third. Um, in fact, you know, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if um, he came out and said that he's actually you know worked specifically on on his pace and his sprinting because he looks extremely quick. His touch is absolutely excellent. And I think you know one of the qualities of um, Jack versus Aaron is. He's, he has that incredibly close control of being an extremely one-footed player to create that little bit of, you know, with the turn, with the turn of the shoulder or um, that little bit of pace to, to beat a man or two and, and, and play off the quick pass. Whereas Aaron, who's able to pick, pick the ball from deep and, you know, he, he's certainly able to, to take on um, opposition defenders um, and has no qualms in, in, in trying it. He hasn't quite got that, he hasn't quite got that little that little turn on him, and um, or as consistently as Jack does. He tends to use his his little flicks to to play it around a player and look and seek out those one twos, or or use his um, uh, his vision and his passing in order to, to bring the ball forward. Whereas Jack really has that propensity to to carry the ball, um, you know, with his own dribbling skills. And I think it's a very unique quality that Jack has relative to many of the other players in our team. I, I mean. Ozil is able to do it in a very different way in the way that he sort of, with his little shimmies, creates that space and then looks for that pass. I mean, I guess Alex, obviously Chamberlain as well, he has that drive to to beat players. But he's, he's a lot more direct. He often just sort of drives at, at a lot of um, pace um, in a very like sort of straight line looking to uh, and using his pace and power to, to beat players. But Jack is a very intelligent player in the way that he does that. And also his his passing in some ways is... It's it's quite similar to Aaron in, in certain regards. He he loves those very quick one twos. I mean, obviously the exemplary um, use of that is is in that the famous goal from last year. But also his his vision and his ability when he when he's as technically on point as he was today to find um, to find those those little balls and those pockets of space is absolutely excellent. Um, and we saw a fantastic finish from him. I don't think um, his shooting is he, he's not he's not always. As, as desperate off the ball to to find those spaces in in the opposition penalty box and look to um, and look to grab a goal. I think in that regard, um, he's he's much more of a provider than than Aaron is a um, uh, a goal scorer. I think he has um, not. Maybe, was it nine goals or six goals ever for Arsenal? But the ones he scores, you certainly remember them. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Again, you know, Arsene did talk a lot about with um, with Aaron that uh, after that injury, you know, we. There was a long barren spell where, you know, although Aaron was was trying repeatedly to to get on the score sheet, he you know he, he was sincerely struggling. But even Arsene during that time had said, once he scores what when he scores once he'll he'll score a bucket load. And you do wonder because Jack, you know, even for a player of his age now, he's not he's not quite as young as um, you know. We can't really use the the youthfulness as as 
as much of an excuse as we once could. Except that his um, development's been so stunted by lack of consistent football. Well, exactly. So, I mean, I mean, that's the point, is that you do wonder that if he did, you know, and it's a big if with Jack, and you'd hope with the, the way that in, the sort of injuries are looking to be panning out at this moment in time, perhaps he can finally get a consistent run, mm-hmm. whether that be with various sort of 60-minute cameos or, um, and you know, the odd 90 minutes here and there. Whether maybe with with that little bit of confidence that comes with playing as regularly as um, as that, whether he can actually maybe um, start having a little bit more output with regards to goals. But he's certainly got it in him. Um, we you know we saw him score a, a phenomenally important goal against City earlier in the, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I mean it's it, I mean just to round up, it's it's obviously fantastic to have two players of that quality that can play in similar positions but do bring different things to the table. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Jack is is able to beat a man off the dribble better than than Aaron Ramsey is, and I think if there's one thing that does for us, especially if you're going to play him out wide, he can skip past that first defender, I think, a little more easily and get into the pocket of space between the man he's beaten and the back four, and that forces the back four to react to him. And the one thing Jack has always been great in, he's really good in very tight s- spaces playing those one-twos and exchanging the ball with his forwards. And so if he can get past that first man, he forces the defense to make a decision whether to step up and, and defend him, and, and that really creates space for the forwards. So I think coming in from the wide position, he may actually be a slightly better option. Obviously, Ramsey's defensive work rate and energy there may be the the tipping point that leans it in his favor. Obviously, I don't think either of them are ideal for a wing position, but it's interesting seeing the difference between them, and Wilshire's goal was certainly a beauty. Just out of curiosity, James, what was your favorite goal of the game? Um, well, I think the the Jack goal looked the most spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. Just when you take it on the half volley and it rises in off um, into the top corner like that. But then again, I think the Theo goal was actually more impressive um, just because of the angle where he took the shot from mm-hmm. to, to hit it in that fashion across the face of goal. And more importantly, the timing of the goal. We've seen, obviously, recently in the Swansea and Sunderland games that, you know, as those games drag on, it, you begin to lose a little, perhaps lose a little confidence in whether that goal is actually going to come and just scoring within four minutes also, he played such a big role in the way in which the game ultimately panned out. Yeah, um, I, I, look, the, the, when teams defend deep, in that fashion. The, the, more, the longer you go without scoring, the more you embolden them, and, and I think you encourage their style of play, and, and they feel like they can get something from the game, and, and Theo's goal certainly prevented that. Paul, what about you? Favorite goal of the day? Of the day? Uh, definitely uh, Walcott's. I thought it was an absolute cracker, a screamer. Jax was great too, mm-hmm. uh, but um, just an absolutely cracking goal. He, he had to do a little bit more before he he got off the shot too. You know, they were both they were maybe equal shots, but Theo had to make his just a little bit more. Jax was instinctive and maybe had a little. If you're talking gymnastics ter- term, his dismount, or rather his mount was, uh, you know, he lost points for an unsophisticated mount to his jump. So, But oh, just the emotion that came with, with Walcott, I, I just, that just blew me away. On the, the, the one, one thing I'd like to add on the, the Jack Ramsey debate. Yeah. I mean, w- one of the things Ramsey has, uh, you know, I was thinking about it actually before the game, um, 
because I rewatched the Sunderland game last night just just to see what I thought. Um, but when I when I started thinking about the two of them in this quandary, we have the Jamsy quandary. Mm-hmm. You know, the, at the end of the day, Ramsey brings goals, and it's hard to leave when it comes to picking between the two guys. And I hope we're never in this quandary, but I have a feeling we're going to be more and more. How do you not? pick a player who not only does great things but picks goals i i agree with your analysis and comparisons now that's not my definitive statement on it but that's the, that's the bit when i go back and forward on it how do you not pick somebody who's likely to score as many goals as that that's the difficulty with it i'm absolutely loving what's going on with jack um I've kind of uh, uh, I pull my hair out with supporters who seem to forget what he can do for us now he still has the areas to work on that he needs to work on and playing over on the right doesn't necessarily expose expose those challenges, I will call them. I won't call them weaknesses because he just needs the time to work on his position, his game management, his smarts, his He's, defending, etc. He et has to develop his right foot at some point. I mean, it's okay to be have a dominant foot, but he has one foot. Yeah, yeah. But what I'd say about Jack was... Uh, coming back to this, to his burst, mm-hmm. you know, it was about five or six performances ago. I remember tweeting, you know, Jack's Jack's burst is back. I mean, he was just running ac- around the place, running past player. You know, you expect him to beat a player, and then maybe that guy to reel him in over twenty, thirty meters or whatever. But that's not what happens at this point. At this stage, he can not only beat a guy on the burst. His pace with the ball at his feet is quite exceptional. So, um, you know, are we all there? Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. Sorry, I heard. Sorry about that. I heard sorry, some we, we we have we have a, a sub chat going on. James uh, okay. typed to us that he doesn't think that uh, Jack will ever improve his right foot all that much. To be honest, as he said, I want you to understand that when James is done contributing to the pod, even then he is not done <laughs> contributing to the pod. Um, he's he's got the pod contribution and the sub pod contribution, <laughs> and we and we love him for his for his endeavor and his commitment. Um, yeah, well, well, hang on, he can piss off before he gets in again. I got one more. Well, thing I got another question Jack. for you anyway, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, the the, the what I want to say about uh, Jack is, you know, we as fans were great experts. And this whole line going on that the problem with Jack was he bulked up too much and that's taken away his ability to beat a man and he needs to lose that bulk because he'll never get that speed and nimbleness back. Mm -hmm. Bollocks there. Well, yeah, I agree. So I got a couple more questions for you real quick, but I'm just going to throw this in. I think my favorite goal was was Jack's. It was just the way he hit it and the way it rose and went in was awesome. Although Theo's first goal, I love the way it – it hits the underside of the crossbar when yeah. they when they go in off the bar. They they're so rewarding. Um, the goal of the game for me didn't happen, and I'm so mad at Santi Cazorla for it. It was a pinged ball over to Ozil, who somehow outside of the foot one touch, kind of like lobs a pass right into the channel, into the space that Santi's running into, mm. and lands it right on his foot, and Cazorla doesn't control it. Um. Yeah, I would love to be inside Cazorla's head and see what happens to him when he gets inside the box because he just every skill that he has on the ball just evaporates when he gets there. But it was such a beautiful piece of play. There were a lot of really great nearly moments in this game too. Um, my Hill stopped some of them. We stopped some of them ourselves. But some great nearly moments there as well. Um, two things, just real quick. So 
Paul, just on the topic of Theo and Jack to sort of wrap this up, what do you make of uh, both of them going over to celebrate with uh, the medical staff? I thought that was great. I mean, obviously, it's the last game of the season. And miraculously, in that last game of the season, they've both really had their performances of the season. And uh, what's the guy's name? Is it Declan Lynch or something like that? Irish fella. Anyway, so it's, you know, he's their physio and it's his last game at the club bar the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But th- this know, is kind of a, a watershed moment. I mean, this is a, yeah. a sea change. You would not... You would not have seen players celebrating the physio at Arsenal in seasons past. So, only at Arsenal, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it shows the change. So the, the only thing I wanted to say in finishing on this center or ask, and I'll give both of you a chance to address this, so no panic, but Paul, it's one game, and we are so uh, recency is primacy um, when it comes to football right now. But did you see anything today – and I'll ask it two ways. One, that would give you pause to consider going away from what I'd call the established first 11 in the FA Cup. So d- did you see anything give you that thought? And do you think it will have put any thoughts in the manager's mind? Or do you think he's going to go right back to that lineup he started six matches in a row? Yeah, well phrased. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, to Given the sterility of our finishing in the last four games Mm -hmm. and given the last 20 minutes of Sunderland and this first 65 or 70 minutes, however many Walcott got, I mean, it's night and day. When I watched that Sunderland game last night, we played basically really well. We did a lot of things right up until that last, I think we talked about this before, not the last third, the last sixth of our game. And the only time we really looked like if we had more more minutes we might get a goal was when Walcott came on. Outside of Walcott, we could have played for 180 minutes against Sunderland and not scored totally with, a, with a lot of nearly moments. So uh, I wouldn't be seen dead without Tia Walcott on that pitch, either through the center or uh, attacking from the right. And I think he will give Villa so much to think about if he's on that pitch. Okay. Jack, Jack's but, a much tougher one. But will the manager yeah. make a change? No. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and I agree that Jack is a tougher one, but I think I think the manager trusts Ramsey in the big games, and how could you not, given that he won you the cup last year? Um, James, I'll ask it to you with one slight twist. Do you see? Did you see anything today that would change your mind about the starting lineup? And did you do? You st- have any doubts that Theo's off in the summer or do you think love it or not this game or not it's already done he's he's off um with regards to the lineup the thing that I find a little difficult about answering that question is I do wonder when assessing a game like this on the final day of the season although I don't buy into the fact that West Brom are already on their jollies I thought they actually did play better than some people give them credit for given um just how well we performed. I wonder how much of that comes down to um, the lack of pressure that was on us on, in this game. I mean, we played an extremely free-flowing game of football. I mean, we were technically superb. It was true Wenger, Wenger ball out there. Um, and sometimes just that little loosening of, um, of the pressure valve in a game situation like that can sometimes very much... Um, 
work in the favour of, of a team like ourselves that, um, when we're pinging the ball around in the way that we did. And so the problem is today's game is almost the exact opposite type of fixture to what it's going to be a week from um, or a week from yesterday. In that this is one of this is probably the game this season that had the least amount of um, pressure on it compared to the FA Cup final, whereby nerves and, and pressure will be um, at its peak. So what you're looking at when you look at a player like Theo is as good as his performance was um, today, he, having played so little football this season, hasn't actually been in that type of game scenario at all throughout this season. And I'm not sure if he's still ready to be able to be in that starting berth. And I would still look towards... And Olivier Giroud, who now has had that rest, albeit still at um, six, six or is it now seven games, given that he came on today without a goal, um, he's he's still been there at big moments throughout the season and has, and has delivered. You know, they, I mean, they have games when it, they have obviously been games in, in which he hasn't, but you know, you can look to certain big games in the season where he, he has come up with the goods. Um, and also on that point is, I do think, given that you're looking at you know, genuine potential for extra time, especially if you're looking at um, a game scenario in which we're actually looking for a goal or, or the game is still tied, whereby Theo Walcott coming, coming on after sort of 60, 65 minutes is a very viable opportunity. I, I guess. Um, I, I just think, you know, I, I think... Minutes, I guess. Yeah, you know what, James, and, and I, I... I think I... That's, from a manager's point of view, something that makes a lot of sense, um, as, as strong as his performance was today. I, I think... So here's, here's the thing, right? For me, you do have to factor form into a decision in a big game. And while there's not a lot to go on with Theo, one thing I will say is he's been a big game player. He's scored in big games in his career. Um, you know, he, he, he has come through in big, in big spots. So he's, he's not someone who's gone missing in big games when he's played them in his career. Um, right now, Giroud just looks terribly, terribly out of form, whether it's fatigue, whether it's lack of confidence, whether it's Thierry Henry's comments. Um, his, his passing is off. The ball isn't sticking. He's, he doesn't look to have that intensity to him uh, in front of goal, and he certainly doesn't look anywhere near scoring. I thought he was really poor when he came on today. I mean, really, really poor. Um, and we'll get to Giroud in a minute. I, me, personally, I think the manager will just go right back to the lineup he picked six games in a row. What I would love to see him do is go with Jack. Will, uh, pardon me, with Theo Walcott at striker um, and keep Giroud on the bench. And, and there is precedent for Giroud having a big impact as a sub, uh, coming mm. on and making a big difference as a sub. Um, his physicality, you know, and his, his ability to be the fulcrum around which the offense pivots, the attack pivots, I think can be beneficial late in the game. Um, I don't know how he is as a penalty taker, so I don't know where that would factor into the discussion. The one other player you might look at as someone who might get a shout would be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, but I think he looked really, really rusty when he came on today, albeit for you know, 14, 15 minutes, um, and I think it's probably going to be too soon for him. Um, I guess let's talk... Giroud just quickly, and then then I want to talk. Do you, about... do you want me to quickly answer the whether? Theo oh yeah, sorry. The, yes, Theo Sting. Sorry, and just so you know, James, uh, I know we have a history here of me cutting you off on the pod. So your internet was cutting out. So that is why I jumped in there. But um, you know, I, I don't I don't want there to be any kind of uh, you know bad feeling or or tension between us in the pod. So I only jumped in because of internet issues. 
Fear not, I mean, the uh, feeling is but love. Okay, um, well, from this side of things. Um, and here. No, but I listen. I completely understand that point of view uh, with regards to Theo getting the starting berth. But you know, as as I mentioned, I just I don't think he's had enough games in this season. I also, I do think that despite today's performance, it's it's easy to, you know, well, given today's performance, it's a little easy to forget um, the, the plenty of times where where Theo's sort of. Although I know Paul referred to it as you know mistakenly being like a two-dimensional player, but it, that skill set can, in certain games, come undone and can be extremely frustrating to watch too. And as much as we talk about form, it is but one game in in a in a very different type of match. So I and additionally, I do think the kind of qualities he possesses, given the confidence he will have definitely gained from that is far more beneficial to the team at, at the 60-65 minute mark than, say, bringing on someone like Giroud, in my opinion. But um, with regards to Theo, I, I've gone back and forth on this. I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I thought he was definitely gone. Um, and it's tough because he has been out for so long, so you, you can always argue that a lot of the reason why he wasn't being given the game time even when players in his position were were injured ahead of him, um, and instead, I think it was Spurs where Rosicki came out and played the right. You've seen Jack start the right. You've seen Aaron start on the right, and this is with both Alex Oxlade Chamberlain and Danny Welbeck being injured. And there has been some talk of us being interested in a Sterling or a right wing forward. Um, but that being said, I mean, <laughs> he's clearly a player that brings a lot to the table. Um, and you know, Arsen probably wouldn't. You know, he's not really going to say anything else. But he does talk a lot about Theo being in the you know the prime part of the his go- career. The golden now. years. He's just turned twenty. The golden years, indeed. Um, and <clears throat> he's a player that's been at the club for an extremely long period of time. He's a player that Arsen knows extremely well. Um, and. I don't know. After performances like today, it's tough to see why he's someone that that can't be fitted into the squad. But I don't. The thing is, I don't really see him now, um, given the team dynamic and especially the types of shifts and performances you look for um, each and every one of our players to be putting in throughout the course of a season. For him to be one of the first names in um, in the starting eleven, and I wonder if that is really the biggest issue with regards to the negotiations because. Um, I think Theo sees that he's probably not. Um, a, he's more a sort of s- squad of sixteen player um, rather than sort of a player within that that first eleven. Let, let me ask uh, you this: if if one player had to leave the club this summer, Walcott or Giroud, who would you rather leave? Um, you have to pick one. You don't have a choice. I mean, that question in itself is very dependent on the kind of player you bring in. And I think there's probably more right wing forwards available than there are like a, a better striker than Giroud, so probably Theo. Yeah, I, I bet you can't guess what my answer would be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did not for the life of me. Yeah. Um, so let me say this about Giroud just really quickly. I think the pr- there's a big, big problem when discussing players, and I've contributed to to it myself. You know, I've had people on Twitter, you know, get mad at me. Oh, you say it's your brand to criticize Giroud. Look, that's joking around. That's playfulness. You know, we we get lumped into camps. You're anti-Giroud. You're pro-Giroud. You're anti-Wenger. You're you're you know Wenger in. Um, not everything has to be binary, and we make it binary. You know, oh, he's 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 the best player ever, or oh, he needs to be sold. 
you know, I think Olivier Giroud is a perfectly decent, acceptable football player. And I think when he's in really hot form, I think he is a confidence player. And when he is in a purple patch like he was January, February, March, I think he is a striker who touches that top caliber, certainly not at the very, very top, but can can approach that. The problem is I think he is a confidence player, and when he's not on on song, when he doesn't have that confidence, I think the delta between his best play and what you get when he's not at his best is very big, and he becomes really a liability. Now, I know he can do things like defend set pieces and help out in ways like that, absolutely hold up play. But I just think you need a player up front who is more consistent, and the delta between their best and worst form is not as big as Olivier Giroud's. It doesn't have to be, I hate him, I love him. It can be, I respect him as a quality footballer who is not still in my mind the level of striker we need to be leading the line match in, match out, day in, day out at Arsenal. Um I think, in general, we overrate our players, too. I, you know, look at Podolsky. There are still people who think Lucas Podolsky is a good football player. Like... He didn't work out at Bayern. Inter Milan want him gone as fast as possible. He has a great left foot. That's about it. I mean, the, Lucas Podolski's not a great player, but when players are at your club, you know, it's the Diaby effect. He doesn't even play, and people have him down as this mythical figure who could have been, you know, the, the greatest midfielder of all time. Olivier Giroud is fine, but he is not a great player. He just isn't. He, he doesn't have that in him. He can be in great form and play great, But overall, he's not a great player. And I think the dynamism we had today with Walcott, I'm not going to say that Walcott can deliver that day in, day out, because we've seen games where he doesn't. But I certainly think the dynamism Walcott can deliver is greater than what Giroud delivers. And when when Giroud is not scoring goals, I don't know that there's much else that he's doing to move defenders around and give them a challenge. Certainly we've seen against the best sides like Chelsea, um, you know, defensively, like Manchester United even, they find him very, very easy to cope with. I would have loved to have seen Theo Walcott start against Manchester United and how Smalling and Rojo and Phil Jones would have done with a Walcott through the middle as opposed to Giroud. Um, but enough about that. That's kind of been a pet subject of mine. And, I, you know, again, I, it's not you hate him or you love him. You can just think that he's not quite at the level that, you believe we need. And that's that's kind of where I am. Um, and if you disagree, that's fine. But Thierry Henry said the same thing. You know, and I, I think he knows a thing or two. Um, let's talk a little bit about the goalkeeper because he was sort of the one, I think, not blight on the game. That's that's too strong a way of putting it. But the, the one um, negative element of the game today, the, the goal was probably a goalkeeping error. Uh, although you know maybe Gabriel could have could have gotten his head on the cross, he almost gifted them another one when he got lucky when it went through his hands and off the bar. Paul, um, are we seeing enough now over the past few games? I know he was very very good actually against Sunderland, but some patchy performances. Are we seeing enough now to really be clear that we need a better keeper at the club and that the next season's number one isn't at the club? And would you? St- would you stick with Ospina for the cup final? Um, so if Chesney is not in plans to make a miraculous recovery to our number one next year, then we need a new number one. Um, uh, I'll give Ospina a little bit of a, 
of a, a gimme for today, it being the final game of the season and him being untested in the whole, basically, first half of the game, practically. Um, so a little bit of he went on vacation a little too early. Um, Gabriel could not only have done better getting his head on the ball, he could have put his shoulder into the player. To give a guy a free header from there... Um, is ridiculous. He was unmarked, untouched. But the keeper um, did come, and he and he didn't he get did. there. I mean, and and that we, one of the problems we've had with Ospina is we're worried about his size, right, Paul? So yeah, I, that I was agree. it on display. Yeah, I will agree with I agree with all of that. So this was not his finest hour. Um, so if you take today on on full merit as a full out game, then uh, he certainly raised the red flag in terms of. You know, have we begun to see the Almunia effect with Ospina now? So mm-hmm. he and yet, you know, he had that other flubbed moment. But you know, it, it, because of that other flubbed moment, and maybe the goal was playing on his mind. You know, I I I'd need to see a larger sample size. But yeah, it, I certainly don't think he's our our number one. I think he can be a decent number two, probably. Uh, we'd have to see more of him. And if Chesney isn't the man, we need a new number one. But, yeah, that was – I think we were all deeply troubled, uh, especially – you know, the goal was one thing. That other thing he flubbed just onto and over the bar. What the hell was that? Yeah, that that was bizarre. I mean, I know he made this gesture after, like, it moved in the air. Well, I got news for you. All yeah. shots move in the air, my friend. Um, <laughs> but Paul, uh, uh, are you, you ready for the Ospina – era to come to an end and uh would you like it to come to an end today or after next weekend moi um so no i think i think it has to be just reading the tea leaves uh chesney's obviously some distance away from being our keeper the fact that he didn't play today uh as a warm-up to the fa cup just seems like a bit of a gamble all round so, I mean, didn't Fabianski I, I, play the last game of the season last year before the cup final? Yeah, yeah. So you, you can't, you know, the patterns are different each year. So who knows? M- m- the tea leaves for me are Ospina will still be backed because generally Arson backs his players. And there's clearly some shit going on with Chesney. Yeah. So I think it's Ospina for the final. And by the way, when I said Paul, I meant the other Paul. A.K.A. Yeah. James. Yeah, sorry about that. So, James, can. are you ready for the Ospina era to come to an end? And would you like it to come to an end after today or after next weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty ready for it to come to an end. He certainly doesn't fill me with much confidence, but nor does the Chesney situation at this time. I mean, let's not um, forget the last time Chesney did come in, he bottled it pretty good, didn't he? <laughs> in ready, yeah, against ready. I mean, we've got, we've got two keepers that at this moment in time seem pretty... Um, capable of of bottling at any given moment. Damian um, Martinez in the Cup final. No, no I, I listen. I, I think that discredits. I think that discredits both goalies. To be fair, though, I mean, Lucio Spina was part of the team that went on this, a strong run of clean sheets, and I think there was like some sort of statistic going around where he had like the best save percentage for a little while in the Premier League. Um, but that aside, um, especially on today's showing, he's not a keeper that you. You look to him and think oh, he, he can win us an FA Cup final. Um, and I think there was a time, there was definitely a time last season. I mean, the first half of last season, I thought Chesney was absolutely excellent. Um, and there's been, there's no denying that he's a keeper that possesses a lot of 
potential and quality. Um, but clearly his attitude is just atrocious. Um, and his character as a whole is, there's, you know, rubs Arsenal and, and the squad in, in the wrong way. And I just, I, I, I think this whole debacle has led to a bit of a confidence um, shattering in, um, for, from Wojciech's point of view. Um, so I don't, it clearly hasn't done his keeping in an Arsenal shirt any good. Because since the whole Southampton um, nonsense, I mean, his 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 game when coming in hasn't hasn't exactly been anywhere close to the level that um, we've seen from him in the past. So, I mean, I'm not, I, to be honest, at this stage, it's not a position that I'm going to be all that concerned about whether it's a Spina or a Chesney. Because, frankly, I'm not, <laughs> I'm I'm not all that confident that. Um, Either of the two can necessarily do the requisite job on 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 the day on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, if I would if I was a betting man, I'd say Arsene will go for a spinner because I don't think he. Um, I think there's sort of a love loss between him and him and Wojciech. I think a lot of the reason for Fabianski um, starting that final was like the agreement made between the two of them. I think he actually always rated Fabianski as a keeper. That was clearly a bit of a mentality issue earlier on um but he always rated him very highly um from a quality standpoint and i you know that that say he, he had won us that semi-final um and i think you know fabianski as you can tell from his persona was always a very humble guy someone that always um respected the manager's decisions etc um so i think there was a much sort of greater level of respect between um arson and fabianski than there is between Boychek and, and Arsen now, so I don't think Arsen's going to care all that much about um, leaving Chesney out for another final. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's actually yeah. a very fair point, right? I mean, he did it last season when he was clearly the number one, and the guy who was behind him was leaving the club after that game. If he didn't have a problem leaving. Chesney out, then he's certainly not going to have a problem leaving him out now. Um, why don't we just do this? Give me your expected 11, your expected scoreline, and other than your expected 11, what you would do differently if the choice were yours. And then, Paul, I'll ask you next, obviously. Um, clearly, the uh, Terrier's given his opinion as well. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, there's no, is there any chance that Arson doesn't insert his cock for the cup final? No. Okay. <laughs> I my, so my expected lineup is probably the same as the lineup I'd like it to be, and that's um, the lineup we've we've seen over that sort of uh, six game stretch. So Aspina, Monreal, Koscielny, Pear, Hector Bellerin. I'd be very disappointed if Tabushi would have just be thrown in for the final, having not played at all recently um, and coming back from the injury. Then Cochrane, Santi. Ozil with Ramsey playing in that wide right role that I know you love so much mm-hmm. um, with Alexis and Giroud playing with likely subs of Jack and Theo coming on around the 65 minute mark. Um, prediction, I really hate giving predictions, but I my guess would be, especially given the way that Villa play um, and assuming we, you know, now have that ex- you know, given the experience of the final from last year, you expect us to come out with a little more verve um, and not sort of just absolutely cock it up within the first 10 minutes. I'd say we're probably going to come out 3-1 winners. 
I love it. Uh, what about in you? In 90 minutes. Yep, in 90 minutes. Oh, even better. Well, yeah, if we came out 3-1 winners after extra time, that would be pretty exciting. But what about you, Paul? Your expected lineup, things you do differently, and expected scoreline. Uh, I think our expected lineup will be our standard 11. Uh, sort of the six games in a row 11. Yeah, with Cock uh, and Cazorla in the center midfield. Uh, Ramsey on the right. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, Villa have a strong enough midfield that I'm not sure he'll want to start without Coquelin. Mm-hmm. Uh And we can't be all gung-ho. And there's going to be action both ends of the field and we look much more secure with Cock in front, in front of the back four. Um, and so Ramsey out on the right, what would I do differently? That's a tough one because to put Theo in there, I got to drop somebody and that somebody is somewhere between Cock, Cazorla and Ramsey or Giroud. And the way we play is so predicated on Giroud at the moment. Uh, I'd ha- I'd have to scratch my head long and hard to work out. I might, you know, I'm, I think I'd go with the... Uh, Walcott for Giroud mm-hmm. and bring on Giroud. I, I, I agree with your point. The last time we saw Giroud come on at 70 minutes, he seemed to come on with a mission and really have an impact. So he can be an impact sub too, especially if we were, we're going for a goal, etc. Um, so, and in terms of score, I think it's going to be really close um, just because it's a cup final. And I'm going with 2-1. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Uh, Villa are in terrible, terrible form. Uh, They lost to Burnley today. That could just be because once they secured their Premier League status, they basically, nobody wanted to get injured before a Wembley final. We've never really made easy work of it at Wembley. Again, certainly lesser sides than Villa. I mean, you know, Wigan, Reading, we've we've struggled with all of them. Um, But I think the Sherwood factor plays in here. He doesn't like to play defensively. It's not his style. He likes to come out and attack. Um, And while I think they will create chances against us, um, I think that's going to leave some space for us to play and play well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see us win this one 3-1 or even 4-1. The only question is how we do in front of goal. And to that end, I honestly believe that the manager might pick Walcott over Giroud. Um, I have a weird feeling. I mean... He said today on Walcott he was already sharp when he came on in our midweek game against Sunderland. He was the one who created the chances, and I always said that he could play through the middle because he has good movement, good finishing, and he did that well today. Um, Everybody adapts to the qualities of the players. The style is a bit different with Walcott and the team. And I just wonder if he likes that dynamic um, and might be tempted to try it from the start, given that Giroud just... You know, look, whether you like Giroud or don't like Giroud, and, and I'm not saying I don't like him... But I don't think you can debate the kind of form he's in right now. He's clearly just a little bit down, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to protect him if you need him to come on as a super sub. That's very different from him playing from the start and maybe playing poorly and really taking another knock to his confidence. So I do think we'll see the rest of the usual suspects out there. I do think he will start Ospina. I've been saying all along that I thought it would be Chesney, but I think he will start Ospina, uh, for better or worse, and uh, Bellerin on the right. Obviously, I don't think there's any chance for Debushi. So it'll be very, very interesting. Um, but I expect 
I don't know. I expect us to play well. I, I just see us turning on the style with Sherwood trying to play to attack. I think they'll get a goal because they do have players like Grealish and Benteke who can give us trouble. But I see a 3-1 or 4-1 victory, and I think it'll be a great way to send us into a summer um, that's a short one because the season starts early next season. We'll talk transfers after the FA Cup. We'll talk season summary after the FA Cup. So best players, you know, best moments. Did we make progress? We'll have a more full discussion about that. Um, we did finish third. You know, look, it's one step closer to where we want to be, so you got to feel good about that. It was an interesting season, but certainly the second half of it delivered a lot of excitement. Um, final, final topic, just really, really quick. Uh, I'll start with you, Paul. Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer Liverpool. I was looking for. James, <laughs> Liverpool. That's it. What else is there to say? That's the all there is. That's all there highly is. Highly amusing. Highly, highly amusing. Five times. They don't like it open. They five don't like it times. Open. Don't forget five times, guys. No, I'm not talking about the European Cup. I'm talking about the number of times Stoke scored in the first half. So... Up yours, Lollerpool. Anyway, uh, we'll come to you after the cup final, hopefully in a celebratory mood. I don't know if any of us will be uh, of sober enough mind to do the pod directly after the cup, so we may have to wait a day. We will figure that out in midweek. Um, but we really, really appreciate you listening. And because we appreciate you listening, this is a small podcast that has mighty aspirations. So please help us. Uh, if you are on iTunes, go there, review us, give us a rating. Uh, if you want to be like the guy who gave us a three-star review and said that I have no nuts and just a fleshy patch, certainly feel free to do that. If you'd like to say something nice about us, um, we'd certainly appreciate that because it helps get the word out there. And uh, we are paid in love. So the more love you give us, the more we are able to continue to produce this podcast. And we really appreciate you for catching on to it this season. And hopefully we have a bright season ahead next season full of celebratory pods uh, on our way to a Premier League, Champions League, and FA Cup treble winning season. Uh, my name is Elliot Smith, but first let us uh, thank our guest, James. You can find him at Twitter. Nope. On Twitter. There you go. At GoonerFanatic49. James, it has been an absolute pleasure. Indeed, it has been. Cheers, I mean. Thank you. Yeah, no, the the pleasure is all mine. And Paul is on Twitter, at Poznan in my pants. Um, You should absolutely give him a follow. Paul, thanks again. Woo! My name is Elliot Smith. Again, please block me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. I strongly recommend it. It will make your timeline a much more enjoyable place, especially if you're a big fan of Olivier Giroud. Uh, So enjoy your week, everyone. It is just six more sleeps till the FA Cup final. We'll come to you sometime after that, celebrating hopefully back-to-back wins. Enjoy your week, and enjoy the Cup final. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.